The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Let's open our Bibles tonight, if you would please, to 1 John chapter 4. And this evening we continue our discussion about living for Jesus, and our topic is living in wisdom. Several weeks ago, someone stole our banner from in front of the church that advertises this series, this one right up here. And uh, I can't say that I'm sad about that. Uh, I'm not distressed about it. I never really liked that banner. Uh, I'm the one who approved it, though, so the blame falls squarely on me. But I didn't really like this uh, picture of this man who appears to be raising his hands in praise. And my reaction is probably an overreaction to it because I've said, you know, several times that that, that's appropriate for football season. And I've just been joking about that. But there, there is nothing wrong with raising your hands in praise. Nothing wrong with that at all. The scripture describes worshipers as doing this. Uh, For instance, in the Psalms, Psalm 28, verse 2, it says, Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Psalm 63, 4, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Psalms 119, 48, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statutes. And then there's this one in Lamentations. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. It'd be hard for me to tell you, you absolutely cannot raise your hands in Berean Baptist Church. And you know why? Because you have more scripture on your side than I do. That would start it. Um, So you might ask, why didn't I like the banner? What is it about that banner that I don't like? Uh, we don't actually practice raising hands in our in our services. And even though we have songs that we sing, maybe you think that's a little strange, but there are sometimes we're singing songs. Let's lift up our hands in praise, and we all are doing this. We don't do that. Well, why is that? Well, he- here's the reason that I don't like it, and it relates to the subject that I want to talk about tonight. The act of raising hands is not evil. We've just read it in Scripture. It's not an evil thing for us to do. But it could be turned into something evil if it symbolizes those who preach a false doctrine. Now, raising hands is very closely associated with the charismatic movement and their belief that there are special movements of the Holy Spirit that he acts in ways that we don't believe that he actually works today. And so when people see a sign out front, of the church with a man raising his hands, uh, they assume that this is a church that practices the gifts of the Spirit that no longer exist. And when they come into the church, they might very well expect that they would find uh, a raucous music program, hopping and jumping over pews, and a pastor speaking in tongues, and a congregation speaking in tongues. And that's because Satan is a master counterfeiter. He's taken some things that are biblical, some things that are good, And he's turned those things around and used them for his purposes. And what I don't want to do is to be a part of any of Satan's purposes. I don't want to be a part of the confusion. So I don't practice those things. 
And it's not that raising hands is bad. I've just showed you that it's not. It's the association of things that go with it that is bad and confusing. So I think what this sign did was it blurred the lines and some would stay away from us without coming in because that may not be the kind of church that they want. And then we have others that do come in because of the sign and they still don't find what they want. Uh, and so they leave very quickly when they find out we're not actually that kind of a congregation. So when you come into Berean Baptist, what you will not find is that you won't find the doctrines that are associated with people who do these things. Not that this thing, raising your hands, is bad. It's the association that can be along with that. And so that's kind of the reason that we don't practice it here. But with that said, I'll also say this. I know there are some of you that from time to time... You like to raise your hand and what I, hands. And what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to tell you to stop. I mean, if you feel that the Spirit has moved you, this is your way to express your praise to God, that's all right. It's okay with me. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But in any case, we do not want to learn from this that God wants us as a church to be discerning. We have to use wisdom in all phases of our church ministry. And walking in wisdom is the subject that we want to talk about tonight. And we have to be very careful to apply ourselves uh, with the knowledge that we have of Christ and to promote the true gospel of Christ. Now, I'd like you to look at our text this evening in 1 John, where the apostle speaks of discernment. And we've substituted a more general word for that. Uh, discernment is actually just one aspect of wisdom. And so this is the wisdom. Discernment is the wisdom of making right choices. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, this evening, I'd like to talk to you about another area of biblical discernment. In the previous messages, we've uh, discussed good and bad decisions about our personal lives. That was about making the right kinds of lifestyle choices, the moral choices that we need to make. Uh, we need to learn to decide what sin is, and we have to determine how to make the right choices and follow those choices in regard to good and evil, what sin is. And so we read some very powerful scriptures in Romans chapter 8 that showed us that the Holy Spirit has given born-again Christians the ability to choose good over evil. You can do that. God expects you to do it. And it will happen for every Christian who is growing in his sanctification. Paul said that we are not in the flesh. In other words, we are not carnal. And we've learned that there's no such thing as this thing called a carnal Christian. Paul said, you are not carnal. We have the mind of Christ, and our mind is to 
Be a mind that leads us into holiness. In fact, the very moment that you get saved, the Holy Spirit starts the work of making you more like Christ. And the evidence that you are a true, a born-again believer in Christ is the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is produced because of your faith in the Spirit's work. So discernment, uh, discerning good from evil, is a part of the sanctifying process, and it doesn't happen suddenly in all areas. Not from the very beginning are you going to be very good at this, uh, choosing the right thing in all things in the very beginning. But as you go, grow in grace and as that good character in you is, uh, is being uh, uh, learned, learning and it's developing, it'll cause you to make better choices. So that first area that we talked about was morality, per, the, the personal life, making good choices that, um, as you increase your knowledge of Christ. And that's reflected in the command God says to be holy as he is holy. So making the right choices, make the right choices that befit God's holiness. Well, now we're going to step it up this evening, and we're going to go into a, a more difficult area. Good discernment in this next part seems like it's hardly ever achieved in most Christian lives. Uh, it's the reason that you have a Heinz 57 variety of denominations, it's the reason that there are Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and so on. And it's the reason that among Baptists you have another 57 varieties where you have uh, independent Baptists and you have independent fundamentalists and you have Southern Baptists and you have American Baptists and Northern Baptists and regular Baptists. You have the General Conference Baptists and you have the Conservative Baptists and it seems like on and on it goes. Well, what's the problem with that? Why, why are there so many choices here. Well, the problem is one of discernment. It's, a, it's an issue of biblical discernment, deciding which doctrines are actually the correct doctrines, which ones are false, and which ones are we to believe. And really, it comes down to this when you talk about a denominational thing. It will come down to which doctrines are serious enough that it affects your soul. Which doctrines are serious enough that if you don't believe them are going to affect the salvation of the soul, they can actually condemn you. And for many Christians, this is a difficult area. To some, it really doesn't matter. They don't actually care about this. Uh, when the preacher goes all theological on them, if he's even capable of doing that, uh, but when he goes all theological, they don't listen. They start tuning out. They never learn the difference between good and bad doctrine. But the Bible teaches that we are to be more than just churchgoers and that preachers are to be more than motivational speakers. What we are is to be teachers of the Word of God so that people learn the right doctrine. So they're able to discern between the right doctrine. We expound the truth of the Word of God, and then it's your responsibility as a part of the church, as members here, to listen, to learn, and to apply that doctrine. And so to learn doctrine, uh, you can't be a Christian that sees your Bible once a week. You can't be a Christian that just picks it up off the coffee table on Sunday as you get ready to go to church. And then when you get to church, you reluctantly open it because the pastor said, today our congregational reading is from the Psalms. And so you have to open the Bible. You haven't seen the thing all week long. And most Christianity folks is stuck right there. They don't know very much. And what they do know, much of the time, is wrong. So my advice to you is come to church as often as you can. Come and, and hear the Word of God. And if you have come to the place that you've decided it's better to do something else than to come to church and you haven't learned discernment in that area, what well, I have to tell you tonight is probably not going to do you much good. 
of course, you know better. You're here. You're, you're here for Sunday night church. Well, I hope you do have some confidence in me that I can teach you the Bible and that I can show you the difference between truth and error. Everything that I, that I tell you that I preach has Scripture to back it up. And so I'm not afraid for you to come and ask questions, uh, ask any question that you want about what we teach. Now, since the Bible is taught in every service, I can tell you that if you miss services, then you're going to miss some things that will help you to understand the Bible. You'll, you'll have some, some void areas, some things that are missing if you don't actually come to church to hear what's taught, some things that would clear up confusion. Well, it's time to end the preacher commercial. That's over, so now let's get to our subject at hand, and that is doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. It very seriously matters to us. Why do we need to know what we believe? And the reason that we need to know what we believe is because the devil will do his best to deceive you. Paul said, uh, told us what would happen if you aren't careful about doctrine. He said in Ephesians 4, that henceforth we de- be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So deception happens, immaturity happens, You end up staying a baby Christian if you don't learn these things. There's a lot of stuff that you swallow that that really isn't good for you. So how do you avoid swallowing all these things that aren't good for you, the things that will harm you? Well, here's how. You can't skip doctrine. You can't skip it. Uh, Paul, you you have to listen to what Paul taught in the first three chapters that precede chapter 4. I mean, you have to look at this, that Ephesians chapter 4 is a conclusion to stump something. Understanding what came before this will enable you to, and others to learn the faith and to come to the unity of the faith. And doesn't that make sense? I mean, if we study it, we all study it, we all learn it, we all accept what that truth is, then the ultimate result of that is we come to the unity of the faith. We all believe the same thing. Now, Paul tells us there is no unity if you're children who are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So we're not going to be like those who say, well, doctrine doesn't really matter. No, Paul's method of achieving unity was not to get rid of the doctrine. When I was working in Florida a few years ago, uh, there was a church there that had the name, the Church Without Walls. And the idea behind this church was that They welcomed all comers from everywhere with every squirrely doctrine that you might have. That's okay with them. Their their main goal here, let's get people together. Doesn't matter what the doctrine is. We're not going to take that tack. If necessary, what we do is build walls higher in order to avoid the lie. We don't want the lie in our church. We've got to separate from that. So there is no unity of the faith without doctrine because that's what the faith is. It's all about doctrine. And true doctrine is what makes us saved and what makes us Christians. Now, in this text, Paul, or rather John, is warning against false teachers. John said that we are to try the spirits whether they are of God. And he is speaking about false teachers. And he calls them spirits Because every false teacher has behind him an evil spirit, and every false doctrine has an evil spirit that's behind it. You see, a preacher and his doctrine are not just out there hanging there by themselves. No, there's something behind him. If he's preaching the wrong doctrine, there's an evil spirit behind him. There's only going to be one of two spirits. It's either going to be the Holy Spirit, or it will be an evil spirit. Now, let me show you an example of what I mean. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and these were people that were terribly short in the discernment department. 
These are the same people that were, uh, in the 14th chapter, showed how immature they were by the way that they handled spiritual gifts. They claimed that they were great spiritual people, but they didn't really have any spirituality. They're like charismatics that today that think they're living a higher spiritual life because they can speak in tongues. And these people were doing that when Paul said, you're just ignorant of this thing. You're totally ignorant about this because the thing that you think it's making you the highest spiritual person is actually the weakest, the smallest of all the spiritual gifts. Spe- speaking in tongues is not the great spiritual gift that you think it is. And so they were practicing it wrongly beside the least spiritual gift and doing it in the wrong way. These are also the immature Christians that in the first chapter were divided over personalities. These are the people that abused the Lord's Supper in the 11th chapter to the place that Paul said, some of you have died because of what you've done. So these aren't spiritual people. They're very immature people. And what Paul tells them here is there is an evil spirit that is behind every doctrine. Now, in the 16th verse, chapter 10, he says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God, and I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Now, do you see what he's saying here? He said that an idol is nothing. In the 12th chapter, he said that idols are dumb. And by that, he means they can't speak, they can't hear. An idol is nothing but an inanimate object. It's inanimate material. But then what is it that energizes that idol? Well, verse 20 says, But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. In other words, it's not the idol. That's not anything. What that idol represents is a false doctrine. They're sacrificing to devils and not to God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and and the table of devils. Now, that's exactly what happens when you get mixed up with false doctrine. Demons energize preachers and false doctrines. And I know that many people don't want to hear these kinds of things. I'm sure that charismatics are very much offended if they hear me say that there is a devil behind their doctrine. But they don't need me to say it. All they need to do is listen to Paul. He's already said it for us. So I'm not bashful to say uh, that what's done in charismatic churches is the work of demons. Paul has already said that. And so if the sign outside represents demons, then please steal the sign, don't bring it back. We don't need that. So we're talking about wisdom, and we see this told to us in another verse that says the same, James 3.15, This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. So if the wisdom of a doctrine is not from above, then it can come from only one source. We're talking about something that is devilish. So, if it's wrong, it comes from the devil. And when you find a preacher that consistently teaches false doctrine, his doctrine is from the devil. I remember Paul said that grievous wolves would enter in, not sparing the flock. And these are evil workers that are influenced by evil spirits. 
And John said that we are to test those spirits to see whether they are of God. Dr. Owen Strachan wrote, False teachers are anti-elders. The elders of God's church are to love the truth, to exhort the church to follow it, and to live a life of holiness. False teachers may look like true elders. They may speak with authority, born of education, charm people with their winsomeness, and make a less truthful, less ethically rigorous brand of Christianity sound appealing. But in reality, they are nothing like true elders. They twist the truth. They lead people away from it. They hate holiness. They are anti-leaders and help create an anti-church, one that bears the name of the Son of God, but knows nothing of him. And to that, the Apostle John would add, that is the spirit of Antichrist. And that's strong language, very strong language. But people in false churches, you call them Antichrist, you're, you're saying exactly what the Bible says. If you preach a false doctrine, you are Antichrist. An evil spirit is behind every false doctrine. So we're facing demons here. Do you understand this? This is not a simple little thing when we start to confront uh, a false doctrine. We're actually talking about a demon-energized doctrine and preachers who are energized by evil spirits. So there are very critical, crucial factors when we talk about the discernment of doctrines, and so we do have to get these things right. Now let me point out to you, because we do want to keep things in context, that in 1 John chapter 4, John was dealing with errors concerning the person of Christ. I'm going to deal more with that in the fundamentals class uh, on Wednesday evening. That's coming up. And so for those of you that come to that class, then get prepared for it. But it's critical that we know who Jesus is. Now in verse 3, he said, Those who do not confess that Jesus came in the flesh are not of God. Now the reason that John is dealing with that here is because of the problem of Gnosticism. Uh, they argued about the humanity of Christ. And in chapter 1, in the first two verses, what John did there, right as he begins uh, this epistle, he hits the doctrine of Gnosticism head on. And he says, uh, we know that Christ came in the flesh because we saw him and we touched him. And what John is saying there, or saying here now in, in the fourth chapter, is that a person who makes that kind of an error about Christ, has an evil spirit in him. Now that, that, uh, that doctrine, uh, the, the things of Gnosticism, the evil that's in that is alive and well today. You find it in Mormonism. You find it with the Jehovah Witnesses. Basically all the cults do this. They attack the deity of Christ. They don't understand the humanity of Christ. So we don't have any trouble saying that cults are the breeding ground of demons. Now, in thinking of this, we, we need to start looking at it uh, from, from one particular side here. We're going to talk, first of all, about the degrees of error. Degrees of error. Now, we can all agree that there are degrees of error. I mean, obviously, uh, some errors are worse than others. And to some degree, there is some error in some of our doctrine. And that's not because doctrine or the truth of it can't be found out, but it's because we're imperfect people. We don't have the perfect mind of Christ, and so it wouldn't be unusual to find that we do have some error in our doctrine. Uh, Peter warned about Paul's doctrine. Not that it was wrong, but that it was very hard to understand. And if you have an, uh, an apostle who says that about another apostle, you can be sure we probably got some uh, things that are wrong with interpretations of Scripture. 
We, we don't doubt that that's true. There's never an error that's a good error. But the question is, what kind of error is an egregious error? What, what kind of error is so serious that it caused soul salvation problems? Now, you can be wrong about a doctrine. You, you can be wrong, and you can be slightly wrong, and you can still be saved. But there are also doctrines where you can be seriously wrong, and because you believe that error, you cannot be saved. You can't, I mean, you can go to heaven holding some wrong opinions. You can go to heaven with the wrong interpretation of a scripture. But there are other areas that are, uh, uh, errors that are so serious that if you don't get it straightened out, you're going to die and go to hell with it. And so that means that you can actually go to hell holding a Bible in your hand. You can be sitting, you can be standing, kneeling, praising, raising your hands or whatever it is. And you might not ever know Christ is your Savior. Now, thank God for this. You don't have to know everything to, be, uh, to go to heaven. You don't have to be perfect to go to heaven. We don't have to have perfect understanding of all doctrines. We don't have to be theologians in order to get to heaven. But there are things that you can't get wrong. There are doctrines that do not admit to any kind of compromise. And you have to believe them. You have to get them right or you can't be saved. So very simply, there are degrees of error. Uh, sometimes in the form class, I might say to somebody who asks a question, well, you're on the right track, but you're not quite there. And what I'm telling them is, you've got a degree of error there. And sometimes that degree is too great. And then we're talking about salvation errors. And so it's important for us to try to eliminate the errors, but there are some that are more crucial than others. There are some doctrinal errors that can keep us from calling each other brothers and sisters in Christ. You may call yourself a Christian, but if you believe this certain doctrine, then I'm going to tell you, you're not a Christian, because you can't believe that and be a Christian. There are some errors that are not that serious, and um, I could agree that you're saved. I can agree you've got enough truth there, but I'm not going to walk too far with you. And the reason that I won't is because the error that you hold may be detrimental to the health of the church. And so I might have a friend who's a Presbyterian. I do have some that are Presbyterians. But I'm not going to join his church. And he's not going to join mine. Not until he gives up his error. So he may be a brother or sister in Christ, but he's got to give up the error to be a part of this church. Um, we were discussing the misuse of spiritual gifts in the fundamentals class some time ago, and Someone made the comment that it's impossible to grow in a church that teaches charismatic doctrine. Oh, I believe that there are some people in charismatic churches that are saved. But I'm not going to walk with them. I'm not going to go with them because I think that the doctrines that they teach stunt spiritual growth. And then there's another tier of doctrinal error. There are differences that allow us to be in the same church but to be in disagreement. This one's a little bit trickier than the others because we have to be very careful how we handle this because doctrinal differences in the church can lead to division, so we do have to be careful about it. But as a member of the church, there, there are some permissible disagreements. You may disagree with me on certain doctrines, and it's not a salvation issue, and so we can get along with each other and we can discuss it. But we have to be careful, as I said, and what you can't do when you have a doctrinal disagreement with me is that you can't make that a public disagreement. You can't take that to the church. You can't spread that in the church to be opposed to what is being preached from the pulpit. 
And those doctrines become an issue when they undermine the authority of the pastor. So how do you handle something like that? Well, you come and you talk to me about it. We come and we discuss it, and that's fine for us to discuss it. But what a a person should never do in the church is to go about correcting the pastor on the doctrine to the rest of the membership. That's something that we deal with internally between me and you if you've got a difference in the doctrine. We try to get that thing straightened out. If we don't, then we part company, uh, uh, leave the office on on a good note and agreeing to disagree. But I can promise you this, if you disagree on a doctrine and you come into the office, you better be prepared to defend your position. Come in with Scripture, because that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to discuss the Scriptures on this. And that may lead us to all different kinds of places, putting Scriptures into context to find out what the truth of the matter is. And that's what you would expect, I think. You wouldn't come into my office and say, Pastor, can, can you defend what you say? I mean, can you show me that from the Bible? And I say, well, I don't think I can. I don't, I don't think I really can do that. Well, I'd come off looking pretty foolish if I did that. So I expect the same from you. You come to talk to me about a difference in doctrine, well, let's have a Bible. Let's be prepared to talk about it. But to go on here, uh, the membership of the church, when we talk about doctrine, all of us have agreed as members of the church to uphold our statement of faith. We agree to uphold our statement of faith. Uh, there may be variations and a little bit of differences there, but we're talking about the major doctrines of the faith that are put into that. Our statement of faith, I think, is what, 18 articles or something like that. They don't contain everything there is about the Christian religion. They have the main points, the main doctrines. They have church doctrines and things like that, course salvation things. Um, But it doesn't have every single doctrine that's in the Bible in that statement of faith. So we may find some places that we may disagree a little bit with each other on. But mainly, as members of the same church, we do agree to uphold that statement of faith. And as the pastor, that's what I said that I'm going to do. When I became the pastor, I said, I will, and the bylaws tell me this. You, and I believe this, uh, you must uphold the statement of faith. And the reason that I do that is because we don't want divisions in the church. We try to keep that down. So the unity of the faith then comes back into play. We can't have unity when there are different doctrines that come from all different corners of the church. And I, I joke about this a lot. Sometimes I tell you I'm right about everything. I am right about everything. Well, I think I'm right. If I didn't think I was right, I'd change from wrong to right. I think you expect me to do that. I mean, you wouldn't expect me to come into the pulpit tonight and uh, say to you, turn to 1 John 4. And tonight, I want to preach to you, well, I'm not too sure about this. I'm not clear about what the truth of this is. So I, it might be the wrong doctrine, but we're going to hope that we get this thing right before we're done or whatever. You know, you're not going to expect that. You're going to expect me that when I come into the pulpit, I'm going to say to you, Thus saith the Lord, because I believe what I'm about to preach. And if I don't believe what I'm about to preach, I better shut up and sit down. So we're going to be convinced about this, that what's being preached up here is the truth. But folks, I'm also a realist, and I know this, that I can have a wrong interpretation. But for sure, I can tell you this, I don't have any interpretations that will endanger your soul. I'm not going to teach you any doctrine that's going to endanger your soul. So we're, we're safe on that. So because we have these degrees of error, you need to give me a little bit of latitude on some things maybe that you don't agree with me all the way. Now, thankfully, I do believe that the Holy Spirit has put enough discernment into believers that if they're diligent with their study, that they can recognize when things don't sound quite right. Now, we have the example of Apollos in the Scriptures. who was a, He was a great orator. 
He was a terrific preacher, kind of guy you just, you know, hold your attention, you like to listen to. But one day, Aquila and Priscilla were in the audience, and they heard Apollos speak. And they heard him say something that wasn't quite right. So they pulled him aside, and they began to teach him the truth. And the reason they could do that was because they had a teacher. They had the Apostle Paul who had taught them. And so when they heard something that was different than Paul's doctrine, which they knew to be the truth, then they say, that's not quite right. So let's get this thing right. So they pulled Apollos aside and they began to speak with him. Now, several months ago, there was a, a man from our church in Kentucky who was a, a member of the church 50 years ago. 50 years ago. He called a friend of mine uh, to ask about doctrine. There was a new preacher that came to the church. This was the church that my dad pastored when I was saved, when I was very, very young. And this, uh, this man that they had called as the pastor was teaching a different doctrine. Now, my dad was highly respected in, the, in that community, and he left the church in 1963. And we're talking 53 years ago. He went to pastor a different church. But the people in that community, in that church, never forgot what my dad taught them. And so 50 years later, there's a man who hears something preached that didn't sound quite right, didn't sound like what he had been taught, and so he called a friend of mine to get clarification on that because he was not going to believe something that sounded off. He had learned something different from what he was hearing. And I hope this, that someday when I'm gone from here, that those of you that outlast me, that when you hear a new preacher, a new pastor that comes and he preaches something that doesn't sound like Pastor Smith, I hope that you'll go get, you'll go see Bob because he'll surely outlast me or Steve back there. Go see them and say, have you got a CD on that? Have you got something on that scripture? I'd like to hear what Pastor Smith has to say about that. Not because I'm a great expositor of the Word of God, but hopefully because you have enough confidence in me that I've taught you the truth. And when you hear something that's different, that opposes the doctrine that you've been taught, that you want to check that out. And so you ask about that to get, get some uh, clarification on that. So we want to, we want to do that. Um, we want to make sure that we've got the right doctrine. And things that I tell you, there, there's some things that I say to you that might not sound right at first, but then after listening for a while and putting things together, um, you'll, you'll start to believe those things. Uh, you may realize that you've been taught wrongly by someone else, and that's the situation that we've had here, that uh, some of you were a little bit harder to pull along than others to get you on board with some of the doctrines that we teach. But finally, with Bible in hand, you accepted the truth. Now, let me just end on this tonight. Uh, when I was young, I accepted the opinions of my dad because he was my dad. I was young. I didn't know enough to argue with him anyway, so I couldn't sit there and take a Bible and try to dispute his opinions and interpretations about anything. So I believe him because they came from my dad. But then I got older and I started teaching the Bible myself. And so I had to look into the scriptures to verify what I'd heard, to see if what I heard was the truth. And when I was preaching from the book of Revelation just a few years ago, some of you that are here, you may remember that I said, I started preaching, I said, here is an opinion that I hold that is different from my dad. And that's because I'd arrived at another opinion because of my own study. Not a, not a serious matter at all but something that was a different opinion. So what I'm trying to tell you here is you don't stick with something because someone that you know told it to you. 
You may not want to stick with it because somebody you respect told it to you. That's a very good place for you to start, by the way. Listen to your teachers, respect what they have to say, but it's not true because they said it. It's only true if the Word of God supports it. And so you take your Bible and you look at that, and what happens a lot of times for Christians who are not discerning and they don't know anything about doctrine, they hear something, and what they do is they just transmit what they've heard, and it gets retransmitted and retransmitted, and people who don't know anything about doctrine just keep on perpetuating the thing that's wrong. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to look at the Bible, and we want to make sure that's what's being taught, no matter who says it, that it comes from the Scriptures. And so we find that there are doctrines in Baptist churches that are like that. And so when you hear me preach something that sounds strange, that you haven't heard before, then don't dismiss it immediately. Hear it out. Think it through. Study it. I want you to do that. Because I can promise you, before I ever get here to, up here to preach it, I've studied it and I've thought it through. And that's why I'm preaching it to you. So I think that's what we need. Uh, we're going to come back to this and we're going to talk some more about specific doctrines as we go through these next few messages. We're going to start with talking about doctrines that are absolutely critical. Things that you can't change. Things that have to believe right down the line. They have to be right in order for you to be saved. Then a little bit later on, we're going to take a look at other doctrines. We're, we're, one of the things that I'm looking forward to is we, we're going to get into some doctrines that make us peculiarly Baptist. Why are we Baptist, that's a different level of doctrine. Uh, it's, it goes beyond a little bit finer points than just are we saved. It's why are we in this church, this kind of a church, instead of something else that somebody calls a church. But what the devil does, he likes to give you just enough of the truth to leave you short. Just enough, but he leaves you short. And where you're short can often be the difference between heaven and hell. So discernment about doctrine is critical for Christians. Our growth and our ability to live for Jesus are affected by what we believe about our doctrine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and getting us a, a bit of a start into our subject of doctrinal discernment. This is what we want to be, Lord, good students of your word. So we expect as we teach these things that those who care enough to come on Sunday night to hear the Word of God will do that with the Bible in their hands and look at the proofs that we give, the scriptures that we give, follow along with that and to learn as we do this in our sanctifying process of how to discern good doctrine from bad doctrine. And we see this so many times in the scriptures. Paul taught it, John taught it, Peter taught it. We have to beware of false prophets. There's bad doctrine out there. And so we need to discern the spirits to tell who is telling the truth and who is not. So help us, Lord, to do that. Uh, encourage your people to read and study their Bibles. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.
www.bebaptist.org.